We have been talking about gratitude. Week one, Pastor Stephen Law, who just did the uh, offering message, was up on the stage talking about the journey of gratitude. It was deep. I had to kind of sit and kind of digest that word for, for many days, especially when he said he used to be part of a rap group. <laughs> if you're here, I was like, I thought he would be the last guy on our staff to be on a rap group, but he was. Woo, so praise the Lord. No partiality before the Lord. And then last week, Pastor AJ talked about gratitude and everything. This man changed our commute, didn't he? Man, gratitude and hope wherever we go, even when we feel stuck. Praise the Lord for that. Um, today, I want to talk about gratitude for Jesus. Thanking Jesus for Jesus, just for Jesus. Thanking Jesus for Jesus, just for Jesus. I want to read from John, but before I read, let me pray. Father, we were so grateful for your presence in this church, that you love to dwell with us. And can we say to you, Father, right back at you, we love your presence more. We love you so much. So the fact that you would choose to dwell with us is such a blessing and a grace. And it is, it is we're just grateful for you, Lord. Help this Thanksgiving to be that moment where we are grateful for your presence, Lord. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Being grateful for Jesus, just for Jesus. When I was 10 years old, my dad moved away from Korea. I grew up in Korea to Hong Kong to start a business there. He said, China is going to open up soon, and when that happens, I'm going to win everyone there with my product. I'm going to make a lot of money. So he left. Um, it's about four hours by plane from Korea to Hong Kong, so he didn't really come back often. I didn't get to see him for months uh, or sometimes years. And often, it is often that my mom would go away for about a month, month or two months and, and kind of take care of my, my dad and kind of bless him and cook for him and take, take care of him and come back. It's one of, one of those summers when he was gone, she was gone for a month. And um, before she left, she gave me some homework. She said, you know what? I know you don't have a lot of homework for your summer vacation, so let me, talk, let me give you what. For, for the 30 days that I'm away, I want you to write a journal every day. Journal every day. And some of you had that where your mom told you, write a journal. It's good for you. So I'll write my journal. And she said, if you make it through all 30 days of journal, I'm going to bring a good gift from Hong Kong. Now, that was fun and exciting for me because, because from Hong Kong, she would bring snacks and toys and special Legos that I couldn't find in Korea. So not only would I like the product, but I can show it off to my friends. And that's the best part of a gift, showing off. So I loved it. So I started writing my journal, day one, dear diary. Weather is fine. My mom is gone. Honestly, I don't really miss her. Day five, dear diary, my mom's been gone for five days. Food is scarce. <laughs> my brother is taking over. I think he might have the spirit of Hitler. Help us. Day 10, my brother is getting worse. That's all I can write. Day 29, finally, my mom is coming back, and she just told me last night that she'll be bringing an amazing Lego from Hong Kong. I'm excited, and honestly, if I could be really honest with you, diary, I want to say that I'm actually looking forward to the Lego more than my mom. 
And day 30, my mom came. She brought me the Lego. It was great. I ran out, took that toy, and showed it off to all my friends. They fell in love. Oh, wow. Where did you get this? I'm like, from Hong Kong. That's how I roll, boys. <laughs> showed it off. And next day after school, I came back home because we started school and my mom was waiting for me. And you know one of those, you know, you, you feel it in the atmosphere. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's the mother spirit. And it's sometimes it's not the good spirit. It's the, it's the fear of God's spirit, right? So I walked in. I'm like, oh, something feels not right. This is not good. And she had my diary on day 29. And this is what she read. Lego, huh? You look forward to the Lego more than me. You know, son, I missed you a lot. And in all, in all seriousness, she said, you know, this kind of hurt me. Oh, I wish I could hide. I was like, oh, man, I wish I could just hide from this moment because I felt so bad. She was right. I was looking forward to the toy more than my mom, the mom who gave me birth. And, you know, unfortunately, I wish I could say that I stopped doing that after that moment, after when I was 10. But I haven't stopped doing that, especially to Jesus in a lot of times. Where all the blessings that he would give and all the goodnesses that he would pour out on me, it would be good. And then time would pass, and for some reason, his hands, I would be so focused on his hands and what he has, the Lego and the gift that he might have, but I would not seek his presence or his face. And I'll be so fine with it. And can I share with you, my family, my church, that that is the inclination of our sinful nature, to always be drawn to his hand. What can he provide for me this Thanksgiving? What can he give? What can he bless me with? What victory can he give? And we're so focused on what is he holding? What is he holding? What is my daddy holding? And we don't seek his presence, and we don't even care to say hi or give him a hug. We don't even have a second for that. Verse 23 today from John 6 gives to us a good context to what we're reading. And this is what it says. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. This is, the talking, this is talking about the incident, the miracle that Jesus made, feeding of the 5,000 and more like 10,000 to close to 20,000 because women and children didn't count back then in the counting, in the census. So Jesus did great miracle of feeding so many. It was free food, and everyone loves free food. That's the context. And verse 22, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. Now they're looking out for Jesus' car, like, is his car here? You never do that, don't you? You walk on on Sunday, you drive in, like, is Pastor Brett's car here? You don't do that, do you? I'm sure you don't. They're doing that. They're like, ah, you know, Jesus' boat, he's not here. Where did he go? He's, he's, they're searching. And Jesus had not entered it with his disciples that they had gone away alone. The zeal the followers had, please hear me, these followers of Jesus had amazing zeal. Verse 24 to 25, it gets worse. I mean, it gets greater. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Back then, we didn't have find my iPhone. 
or find my Jesus or call him for that matter or text him. So what do you do? You get on your boat. You cross the lake or the Sea of Galilee looking for Jesus, knocking door by door. Is he here? No. Uh, is he here? No. Is he here? Uh, where is Jesus? So we're not talking about searching for a few minutes, probably hours and hours of searching on the boat, driving past by saying, hey, have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Looking and searching, having that zeal even to cross a sea. When they found him on the other side of the lake, other side of the lake, they were willing to cross the lake. The zeal of these followers, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? We were looking for you. When did you get here? Quick lesson on K-pop, Korean pop for you. How many of you know BTS? Can you show show of hands? You know BTS? Okay, okay. BTS, uh, please Google it when you get home. It's, it's actually one of the most popular K-pop group right now. So they have, the, the fan base is crazy. They have amazing, fanatic fans. And when I went to their website fan page, and you're like, Pastor, what are you doing there? Preparing sermon, preparing sermon, preparing sermon. So I, I searched, and they're called ARMY. The, the fan group is called ARMY. And there's some things that they ask you to do as a fan. Because they're so fanatic, this is what they say. When you see, and when you go to the airport... Do not scream out too loud or touch or grab BTS. Because they're so like, you're my star, you're my hero. And they want to grab him. Please don't. Please don't go look for them in your hotel rooms. That's creepy. Hi, are you BTS? That's creepy. Don't do that. Do not curse at BTS. And I'm like, that's weird. And this is what they say. Because they love them, love them so much, and they get so excited. Oh, BTS, or OPA. That's a nice way of saying I love you in Korea. I don't know the term, an endearing term in Korea. OPA, OPA, I freaking love you. And that's what they would say. I, of course, not freaking, but a little more strong than that, right? Because they're so, so passionate about it. They're saying, please don't curse at them. Or take the same flight with them on purpose. Or wait outside of their restaurant on purpose. Don't do these things. These are creepy things. These are things that only stalkers do. And I'm looking at it going like, yep, that's right. But people do when they follow. These people were doing that to Jesus. Do you recognize that? They were waiting outside the hotel of Jesus. They're waiting on the airport or the port for Jesus, trying to get on the same airport or airline or, or on the same boat with Jesus. They're, they had so much zeal. And they said, Jesus, I finally found you. And this all looks well because we all look to have zeals. And please hear me, church. We all look to have zeal. And if you're here on this Wednesday night, you have a zeal. That's great. God honors that. But please follow with me to verse 26, John 6, 26. Jesus answers them, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, which means recognizing that he's, he's the Messiah, but because you ate the loaves and had your feel. You, you know what? This is what Jesus saying. You know what? I, I love your zeal, but let me get to the bottom of things here. You know why you're so zealous after me? It's because I gave you free food. So you're for my hand. Then for my presence, for my hand, then my presence. In verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And he's saying, I am the bread of life. Look for me. 
We should thank Jesus for Jesus, just for Jesus. We should thank Jesus just for Jesus. No other reason. Not the blessings, not the presence, not the goodness. Though that's great. And though, though he wants to, our good father wants to bless your finances and he loves to make sure you're well taken care of, that you're, you're filled in all ways possible, abundance. However, please listen. Jesus is encouraging us and saying, you know what? Can you love me for me? Can you thank me for me? Can we stay there, daughter? Can we love like that, son? Because that is true thanksgiving, isn't it? Not the circumstances. Not the toys and the gifts and the Legos that we have or not have. Not the food, not the fish and chips that we had earlier. But Jesus himself, he's saying, I want you there, church. I want you there, family. When I first started ministry, um, I just got married. And I was doing full-time school, seminary, and I started full-time ministry as well. So life was hectic. Never got true rest. For 10 years, I ran and ran and did ministry. I was learning, and I, I was happy, but I was, I was growing. After 10 years, I, was, I could feel myself just getting burnt out. Well, earlier than that, but I was like, Lord, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And, and in that moment, and 10 years into ministry, I got an opportunity to get away from everything and just kind of, Two weeks just, just gleaning and, and learning from God and studying. Just got to be away for two weeks. It was needed. Um, and after the two weeks of resting, one of the mentor pastors asked me this question. He asked me this simple question. June, what is the desire of your heart? What is the desire? What do you really, really want right now? Because you're running so fast. He, I don't even know if you know what you want. You're working hard, you're doing ministry, and you're doing a good job, but I don't even know if you know what you really want. What is the desires of your heart? And I, I sat down and I started to write and write and write all the things. Oh, growth of ministry, more signs and wonders, more people to get saved and all those were good. And I tried to cross out one by one because that's not really the one thing that I wanted. And later at the bottom of the page, I wrote down, Lord Jesus, what I really want is intimacy with you. And I shared them this story. I would love to share this story with you as well. This is how I became a pastor. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I grew up in church. So I was always part of church, but never believed in, believed in Jesus or experienced the spirit of God. And, and a group of missionaries started to flood into Hong Kong. I was residing in Hong Kong back then, and this is 95 to 96. And what was happening was that the, the land of Hong Kong, which belonged to UK back then, was going to be retroceded back to China in 1997. And therefore, a lot of the missionaries were saying, you know what, the door to China might be closed, so we should send our missionaries as, as much as possible right now, 95, 96. So a lot of mission groups started to flood in from everywhere, so they were in need of translators everywhere. I'd been in Hong Kong for maybe two years by that time, or three years maybe. Didn't speak much of English or Chinese, or Korean for that matter. You're like, what language did you speak? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, but they asked me to translate. They were asking me to translate Chinese to Korean, English to Korean, and then Korean to English. And this is like sermons and prayers. Eighth grade. I had no idea what to do. So what do you do if that happens? Do you ask for a miracle? No, I didn't have the faith to do so. I didn't even know if that was possible. So I just started making things stuff, stuff up. 
So this guy would say something like the pastor would say, you know, like Jesus loves you. Like Jesus loves you, and I'll say they will make something up. God is great, hallelujah. And it'll be great because people will go like, Amen, praise the Lord. Man, you're so good in your translation. Rather, my creativity, right? I'm making stuff up. But I had fun translating. I didn't care. They were enjoying it. So I'm like, I'm pretending to be a fake pastor. I don't know. It's fun. And then the last night, it was one of the most important moments of sharing of a testimony that was in that group. It was in Chinese. I was trying to understand, but I couldn't understand, so I was just making random story up again. Man, random stories, just making it up as I go. No one knows, because no one else, no Korean in this room understands Chinese, so I was just making stuff up. And then suddenly, it hit me just like that. I could understand what he said for the last 30 minutes. I just knew. You couldn't explain that. But I said, hey, pause. I am so sorry. I've been lying to you for the last three days. But right now, I'm going to tell you what he just said. I don't know how I understood. That night, I went home to, to, to my room, and I couldn't sleep. I was like, God, I guess you are real, because I can't explain that. I couldn't fall asleep that night. And I received him, and I said, God, you are God. I, I am me. Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. You are real. And then after that, I fell in love with his presence. I loved worshiping him. I loved praying to him. That's all I wanted to do. They left. You know, and that void that you feel when people leave, with that void, I'll go to the presence of God, go to the altar and church all the time, every day, every night, and we'll just worship Jesus and praise God. And I said, the presence of God is the sweetest thing ever. This is the best. I love you, Lord. This is better than anything that I've experienced ever before or ever anything that I will in the future. So I know you are good. And I loved his presence. And I said, how can I continue this presence for the rest of my life? And I looked around and I realized my pastor was at church all the time, 24-7 almost. So I said, I want to become a pastor just because I love his presence. That's how I became a pastor. I went to my mom. Mom, I want to become a pastor. She's like, why? I don't know. I want to be. And she's like, you know, not everyone should become a pastor, June. <laughs> and honestly, as your mom, I don't think you're going to make a good pastor. Rethink. So I rethought about it and couldn't figure it out. So 10 years later, fast forwarding, I was praying for, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Exactly 10 years later, the Lord showed me a dream, almost a picture of me praying, my eighth, eighth grade self, praying that prayer. And the Lord said, I delighted in that heart, so I'll let you serve. And I said, thank you. The reason why I shared the testimony is that's how I started ministry. I didn't have a big vision or dream of like what could be and should be. and some, Like there's some amazing man of God who has those kind of visions and insights. Uh, that wasn't me. I just said, I love the Lord. I love spending time with him. That's the sweetest thing ever. You felt it even today as you're worshiping Jesus. I said, that's the greatest thing. Nothing can replace it. I want more of that. I want more of you, more of you. Ten years into ministry, it was less of Jesus and more of work. It was less of him and more of me and what I could achieve. So I repented and wept before God. God, I am so sorry. Jesus, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I started all this because I loved you. And I fell away from that love. And I'm so far away, I don't even know where to go back. And God restarted a restoration in my heart of entering his presence and loving him deeper and deeper. Church, He wants intimacy with us. That's who he is and that's how, how, how good he is. Yeah, he wants to bless you. 
but he wants you to love him for him. He wants you to thank him for him. I close with this. Verse 66 to 68, I have to jump and fast forward. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. There will come a day, listen, when all those people who are zealous will leave Jesus because they see I can't no longer get what I want or I can no longer manipulate the system and manipulate Jesus for the blessing and needs that I want. It's not gonna happen. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Oh, he's asking that question to the church so many times or to you. Do you want to go as well? Do you want to go? Do you want to move away from my presence and my worship and that heart of gratitude because you're missing something in your life? Because you're lonely maybe? I get it, that's painful. Or because your finances are not in order as much as you like it to be? Or maybe you're having a difficult time in your family? God is saying, I get it, I want to bless you. But do you really want to move away from that like everyone else? Simon Peter answered him, Peter messes up a lot, but this is one of his good moments. <laughs> Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Oh, this is what we ought to say so often. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Please don't go anywhere else. If you walked in today, almost walking away from, having almost walked away from Jesus, please don't walk away. There is no other life. There is no word of eternal life elsewhere. But his presence is here in his house. As I close, I want to read you a line and lyrics from a hymn that a lot of you would know and I love and I think it kind of closes the sermon and, and kind of summarizes it so well, so I want to read it for you. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than vain applauses. I'd rather have faithful, I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords. Can you all close your eyes? Before we move to baptism, can we just stay there for a few minutes? Just us saying thank you, Jesus. I'd rather have you. Oh, all the prayer requests for our lives, our family, our ministries are great. But still, I'd rather have you. If I don't have anything else, I'd rather have you. Let's just stay there for a couple of minutes and thank him and love him.
why don't we tell him that we love him? Just love him. Just tell him that you love him. Father, as we even enter baptism right now, may, have that, may they have that blessing, Lord. That blessing of intimacy, that this is not a moment, but rather a relationship that they enter into. And may they have an intimacy that is unusual, that is filled with your love and your peace and your grace, Lord. May it be filled, and may everyone in this room be filled with your intimacy and your love. It is in your name we pray. Amen.